This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Uh, you should have grabbed your snacks, your water, whatever it is that you needed, because the main event is here. We are excited, super excited to welcome in Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary, I, I can't even describe all the things he's amazing at. I know that I follow him on IG and watch every video for inspiration and whenever I need to get my stuff together. Um, there are some choice words that help me do just that when I'm feeling sorry about myself. So Gary, welcome, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. It is really nice to be here. Hello, everybody. Thank you for uh, for being patient, and I'm really excited to be a part of this. Hi, Alexis. Good to see you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, I, know, I know that we don't have a ton of time, and I want to jump right into it. Look, the reason why we're doing this event in November is because COVID hit in uh back in february march and we had to postpone the event at south by southwest yep uh, you graciously came on board after our june uh hbcu office hours event um and one of the things that stands out to me whenever i'm watching your videos is you talk about fighting through adversity well we haven't seen adverse times like these and we have students that are that are entering the workforce are entering the world and it was different than the world that they planned yes what would what would you tell an HBCU student or a student period about navigating the space that they're in and embracing uh, the opportunities that it provides? Well, first of all, you know, I love to talk about things in real life versus theory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if we can shoot it super straight, Please. there there may not be a better time to be coming from an HBCU than right now, maybe in the history of time. Mm. I think the there's a a very strong percentage, especially of coastal businesses that are more interested in hiring black employees than ever before. That's just the truth of what is happening because I have my big ears on the street. Like, like it's, that's what's happening. So first of all, you know, obviously there's some industries, whether you're an airline industry, if you're in the events business, there's some industries that have been hit hard by COVID. On the flip side, there's a ton of companies that are exploding during this time. Direct-to-consumer food brands, you know, Peloton's busy. And Peloton's busy and probably, I don't wanna speak for them because I don't know, but probably more awake and yep. thoughtful about recruiting black employee talent. Yep. That's, so I don't know, I, I hope everybody's watching this right now excited. I know it's a little tense in the air. I know today's, the election's not settled. I'm sure, I don't wanna speak for people's politics because they go in both directions, but you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's I, at some level, everyone's anxious and everyone's excited because I think everyone's trying to claim victory here. But like, the reality is, is that I think there's more opportunity. And so, you know, I, I think it's good. I think this is not the recession. This is not 9-11. This is not, where you know everyone gets affected. This is, there's a winners and losers with COVID and there's a lot of companies hiring like crazy. And, and I believe that the country is in a place where there's more jobs available for HBCU graduates than there were 24 months ago, period, end of story. So I'm excited for a lot of people that are watching this right now, to be frank. And so you need to go in with that optimism and, and truth. I mean, I'm happy, I know we'll go into q and I'm happy to answer anything of like where my perspective is on that. But if, it, you know, if I'm a lot of people who are watching right now, like feeling pretty excited if you're just graduating. 
Absolutely. I, I feel like uh, in the beginning of the summer, we are in the beginning of the, the, pandemic. The, the spring, we saw like everything got pulled because nobody knew exactly where things were going to go, right? 16th, people are getting scared. Kids are graduating in May and June and jobs are going away and people are getting scared. Then within you know the next five months between George Floyd, which was a situation that made people really look at themselves and things settling from an economy where people realize, okay, some companies really lost, but some companies really won. I'm just gonna say it again. I believe a lot of progressive um, organizations are growing by the second <laughs> and are look, I mean, I don't have to look very far. Anybody watching, VaynerMedia is gonna be hiring a lot over the next eight to 12 weeks. We're growing. We need a lot of entry level mathematical media people. We need creative people and we need psychological anthropology people for strategy. And we are very focused on doing a very good job in recruiting black talent. That's just the truth. So, and I think that there's tens of thousands, it definitely thousands of businesses that are taking on the same approach we are. And so to your point, April, May, I could understand some tears. There better be some real bravado and confidence in this fucking audience right now because there's jobs, if that's what one wants. Agreed. I actually want to ask you more about VaynerX and VaynerMedia, right? Like, okay. I feel like every company that we work with, and we work with some amazing companies, they all have their own personality and they're all looking for something specific. To come work at VaynerX or VaynerMedia, what, what, is, what are your companies looking for? What, what jumps out to you? Um, kindness. We're a very, you know, it's funny because I feel like a tough guy because I'm tough on stage and I curse, but we're a very soft culture. So kindness is a very big factor. I'm just being really honest. If you're insecure, if you were just listening 30, you know, a minute 30 ago and be like, yeah, I'm going to work there. And now when you hear what I'm about to say, if you're insecure, you need to think twice before you come to Vayner because what's gonna happen is those insecurities are gonna manifest into bad behavior and we just don't play that game. Like the way we treat each other is religion. Um, uh, deep understanding of this, like if, you, like if you're gonna work at VaynerX, you need to know where the attention is of consumers. So you need to know what's going on with OTT, you know, AKA, is Hulu's, is Hulu winning? Is Quibi winning? Is Quibi losing? It's out of business, by the way, if you didn't catch it. Is, is Hulu winning, like losing? Like you need to know your shit where the consumer's attention is. TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, you know, pre-roll YouTube, what podcasts are popping, which influencers matter, like who's winning Spotify, Rap Caviar, like, like you need to know a lot of things. Um, or let me rephrase, you don't need to know all of those things, but you need to be capable of knowing all those things six months after you start with us because we trade on attention and culture and we trade on humility and kindness because we're about speed. We're about speed, Vayner's about speed. And the whole VaynerX world, and for everybody, if you go to VaynerX.com, you'll see all the companies. We have a SaaS company called Tracer. We have Sasha, the Sasha Group, which is for small businesses, social media, and creative work. Vayner, there's VPro, which is the production engine. There's the Gallery Media Group, 137pm.com, and PureWow, where we do publishing, like Vice and Refinery29. So we got a lot going on, Vayner Speakers. We got a lot going on in our world, um, but being contemporary around how marketing works, for example, 
a lot of people were stunned yesterday on certain things that happened in the election and that makes me feel like they're not contemporary. If you didn't know that every Cuban in Florida is susceptible to socialism talk because they come from you know, Cuba, well then you're just not paying attention. If you didn't, and like, and this gets into some of the social stuff, right? If you don't know that there's not one Latino vote, that, you know, Latinos from Puerto Rico are different than Cuba, they're different from Mexico, like, you know, or, or that, or things like that. So like, to me, I'm really passionate about people that really understand how to make pictures, videos, written words, and audio. People that know how to strategize around that, people that know how to spend media to amplify that, people that care about influencers, people that know what's going on on TikTok or YouTube, people that listen to Spotify, people that make TikToks, what I would call contemporary culture. about that, right? Uh, I had a conversation with Maha before we connected and she shared that it was important to bring uh, diversity, particularly black diversity into the Vayner companies. Um, I wanna ask, and I'm sure the students wanna know, how do you empower your diverse employees within the organization to be their authentic selves? So it was funny, right? Because the first 150 employees, we killed it. You know, I can't, you know, I often like to brag about my second grade picture or, or, you know, I went to Mount Ida College, 82% of the, you know, students were black or Hispanic. So like for me, I didn't even know I was doing a good job with diversity inclusion because I didn't come from corporate. I came from entrepreneur land. So at Wine Library and when I started, you were, you know, black, white, green, girl, boy, like I'm trying to win and I'm just looking for winning players. It didn't, it honestly, until Vayner got big, I didn't even realize there was a thing. Now that was naive and and not even naive because I realized there was a thing. I mean, I have the least confusion around racism and sexism in the world, let alone America. It was more just like, I wasn't thinking about it because I was just trying to build a business and I was just hiring. Um, obviously when, when George Floyd hit, everybody just like me too hit, you do, that's what happens. Like I'm already met, I even said to my team as we're, we're interviewing chief diversity officers, which is the punchline to your question. How am I gonna do it? The first five years I did it. The company got too big. I took the eye off the ball cause I am too stretched in and the organization's unconscious and subconscious biases played out to us not having it down the way I wanted to have it down. So now I need to, just like I have a CFO who gives a fuck about if we can pay our bills, we're gonna, we're in, I don't know, you know, we're, we're I'm trying to be thoughtful. I'm not just trying to hire somebody because everybody wants it in my company, because they do. I'm trying to hire the right person so I can build a relationship for 20 years and win. But her, his job is gonna be to make sure that not only do we recruit properly, not only, by the way, from fancy HBCUs, by the way, because I, you know, like there, there's, a dip, there's a difference between being a black um, American that, or human that goes through HBCU life versus more like I could never get into an HBCU. Like I was such an atrocious student, but I want kids like me, like straight dirt kids too. So not only do we want to have a recruiting engine that finds good diversity of the most intellectual or credentialized, to be frank, I want a lot from like straight, like let's recruit from high school, you know, stuff going on. But then to your point, Greg, I think, the, the, you know, when I've been interviewing the CDOs, the chief diversity officers, most of my conversation's not about recruitment because to be frank, I'm a single, I'm a recruitment machine myself as Gary V. More of it has been about advancement, 
what are the programs, what are the education processes for our non-black employees to realize what black employees go through on cultural conversations. And then very honestly, the other thing I've been working on is there's two to three other C-suite executive roles that I will be hiring in the next nine months. Uh, I've decided to mandate to myself, to be frank, because it's a dictatorship, that those will be black individuals because I think it's very important. I think the way it really wins is not only do you have an internal machine that's checking the box of having good percentages and good you know, programs for growth and really just keeping the organization in check. Um, and listen, I'm so socially liberal. One of the things I'm telling all my CDOs is like, listen, I want you to be a chief diversity officer for white males too because a lot of that, I've had more complaints through the years from white males feeling they're not getting advanced because I subconsciously don't want them to than anything else. So I've had my own weird problems at Vayner because of who I am. Um, but, but I think it's important that every black employee, if somebody comes who's watching today is destined to work at my company, I need her or him to walk in and see a black C-suite executive or business leader within my organization that they know it's real, not just you know hyperbole. So just you know we've been we've been and we've been aggressive. We've been hiring at all levels, um, and and now I'm putting the final touches with the most senior leaders. Variety of folks from the various Vayner companies as they engage and the students here during the the competition will see them this weekend. So I'm excited for that engagement. Uh, I'm going to take a step back. I first got introduced to you when you keynoted South by Southwest. And I really enjoyed the conversation and I was getting in a podcast. So I heard a, a podcast from a, a friend of yours and I'm drawing a blank on the name for some reason, but talking about how y'all all got together in a hotel room during South by Southwest to conceptualize a certain ride share app. And yes. one of the things that stood out to me, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So one of the things that stood out to me was it felt like nobody was focused on what it is that they got or what it is that that uh, what percentage of ownership they had as much as making it as great as possible. And it's one of the stories that I share with our HBCU students about focusing on creating greatness and the compensation will come. Do you mind speaking a little bit to the thought process going back to that? Everything. With the thought of if you're giving then you're just giving. And most people define giving in their minds as I'm gonna give you something expecting something from you. Like a lot of my community, cause I talk a ton about con kindness, are like, yo Gary, you fuck you. Nice guys finish last. Or I'm always getting walked all over. I'm like, no you're not. You're not getting walked all over cause you're not actually giving. When you're giving, when you give, when you give, you have zero expectation of getting something in return. So how the hell are you getting walked all over? Most people give with, well, I'm gonna give you this, but I'm gonna ask for that behind it. You know, like my favorite email I get, Gary Vee, see you're coming to Austin, Texas. Yo, let me give you a free ride from the airport, I got you. No, you don't. You wanna drive me when I'm like tired as shit after an 18 hour day and a four hour flight, and you wanna grill me all the way to the hotel, uh, you know, for, you know, for, your business, or if you're the sweetest of those versions, you want it for the selfie. And by the way, I'm about it, but then just say, yo, can I meet you at the airport and get a selfie? Because, and, and, and you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, the South by stuff, 
uh, you mixed two stories there, Greg. The South by, we used to always do something called a jam session. At midnight, we would always get together and like 20, 30 guys and gals would just get in a room, we shoot shit. Like, by the way, I invested in Bitcoin seven years ago because of that. I didn't know shit about crypto. Somebody brought it up, you know, tech, and the room was very diverse and had different thinking. Like, you know, some pe- a lot of people were super technically sound, which is why I found out about cryptocurrency all those years ago. These were just they're straight fucking nerds. Then you had people like me that were more like consumer centric. Then you had app development. Like, so it was, I learned a ton, ton through those six or seven South by Southwests where we would do the jam session. There was something called Lay Web, which was like the South by of Paris, where I gave a keynote and Travis and Garrett, the eventual founders of Uber, came, that's where I became friends with them. They invited me to you know, their apartment that they were staying in, Airbnb style, for the week. And that was the night that literally Garrett, literally, it's crazy. I can't wait to tell my grandkids, I'm in the room. Back to like some Hamilton shit, I'm in the room. When, the, when Garrett Camp goes, I've been thinking, like literally, I have goosebumps, like literally said, I, I've been thinking about this thing. Wouldn't it be cool if you could use your iPhone to get a limo? And my response was like, that feels 1%. Who the fuck needs limos like that? I, you know, I remember my initial reaction. Obviously it evolved and became one of the biggest companies in the world and changed the world for a lot of us. Um, so anyway, nonetheless, yes, I think, look, this is very, I love giving advice I lived. I lived humble as shit as a kid, even though my ambitions were huge. So when somebody would come in right now on Q&A and be like, yeah, cool, Gary Vee, but that sounds like privilege to be patient and give, but I'm like hungry, I got nothing. I'm like, it's not privilege, it's strategy. You you could, after you graduate, live with six of your homies in a small apartment, you could. You could move back home, you could. You could stop buying $5 fucking Starbucks coffees, you could. You could not drop 400 on some off-whites or a Gucci belt, you could. You could not go on spring break, you could. Like I lived, I was making 40, 50K in my 20s, living in a shitty apartment, working 18 hours a day. It's what I decided to do. Like, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you can give, especially in your 20s, because you have patience and time on your side. The problem is now you got a nice degree, and your grandma's like, what are you gonna do with yourself? And your friend's like, yo, and one of your buddies went and go, worked at Goldman Sachs and making real coin and has a BMW and, and a pretty girlfriend. Like, like, I get it, but like how mentally strong are you about what you're up to? And I believe giving is the greatest game in the world. I think karma is the most practical thing that actually happens in life. I actually think treating people well and giving people free value does always lead to something good. It may not be financial. It might be the person you fall in love with. It might be somebody helps you like, you know, like when your parent is sick, but like doing good shit is good shit. All day about this stuff, because I've been listening to podcasts and watching videos. I want to touch on the relationship with Nipsey if we have time. Uh, But I also want to get the questions from the students answered. So I'd love to bring on Alexis Davis. She's got some questions uh, from the audience that we want to share. Definitely, we have a lot of questions. So. We're actually going to start with our first question from Joseph. He says, what can entrepreneurs do or build to help bring our country together, especially right now? People are canceling each other on both sides. I also posted yesterday on my Instagram that, you know, I voted and I voted for Joe Biden. And I just had thousands of people tell me that they're unfollowing me after I gave them five years of free content that brought them happiness. That's not productive. 
You know, that's not good. That's not going to win for anybody. So to answer your question, finding a product that helps people listen to each other because communicating with each other is going to be the. So yeah, I mean, I think I think Alexis. Final, just to recap, in case somebody missed it, building an app. I'll give you one. Maybe there's a way. Remember those secret apps like Whisper and Secret and and Yik Yak. Like they get nasty because people start to. Do, but I wonder if a secret app might actually help somebody talk about their hate for each other because you don't know who that person is and like two people that see it differently, anonymous actually can talk it out in a good way. So like that would be an idea I would have. Like you see where I'm going? We need conversations. I'm ready for the next question, Greg. Absolutely, absolutely. So just a second for that next question. All kind of transitioning in real time. Kathleen B from Chicago asks, what are the three things uh, that recent or soon to be graduates can do each day to improve their chances of landing a purposeful job? I love that question. So number one is content. Number two is content. Number three is content. What, here's what I mean by that. Let's say you're watching right now, everybody, and you want to get a job in the music industry or in selling cookies or being a ski instructor. Go on LinkedIn and literally write a blog post that's titled five things that ski instructors aren't doing right or write three opportunities in the music industry using TikTok. Literally treating yourself as an opt-end writer, make pretend that LinkedIn is the New York Times or like, and just make content. You will be stunned how much that will lead to opportunities. Some of you will write one article on LinkedIn as a blog post that will get you a better job than you dreamed of getting in the category that you want to if you send out 5,000 resumes. LinkedIn is acting like Facebook acted seven years ago where you can just post something and a ton of people see it. Take advantage of that. Uh, what do you consider to be the biggest unknown in business? I think the or, biggest unknown. What makes you nervous going into 2021 and beyond? Nothing makes me nervous in business and that's not because I'm trying to be a tough guy. I just am not nervous because I'm an entrepreneur and I live for being a firefighter. I'm always ready for anything. I'm not nervous. Uh, as far as the biggest opportunity or the biggest unknown is, well, it's funny. The biggest unknown I thought you meant, and I understand the unknown scares people. To me, the unknown is only good. Greg, for me, the unknown is where I'm comfortable. COVID hit, I'm like, let's go. Like I, I put on my fire, fire suit and go, you know? So the unknown doesn't scare me. And for a lot of people watching, if the unknown scares you, then it's very likely you're not an entrepreneur and that's okay. That's okay. I don't think everybody should be or needs to be. So anyway, as far as the biggest unknown, you know, this presidential, if you're talking about scary things, the presidential election, how much debt we're in, um, social unrest, there's millions of things one could be scared about. Um, I'm just not, I'm prepared for everything because I live life simply. Like, even if I lost all my businesses, I'll be okay. That's just life and so um, I'm about that lack of fear life and that's what I focus on. The, the questions are flooding in and so I'm gonna, I wanna knock out as many of them as possible. So we have Desmond H from Stillman College asking how would a smaller HBCU get an opportunity to work with yourself or a big name uh, like your organ, uh, like yourself organically? To just ask, like, you know, it's funny. I, I think I saw his question in the chat. 
I think he said not a great brand or something like that. Like not what like I think he was trying to say like not as big, right, Greg? Like not one of the big ones. Like there's a whole generation of decision makers that look like me that just don't give a shit. When I tell you, I don't even think twice about the difference between somebody that went to Yale versus Florida State versus Ricky Thompson Community College. It's just about asking and getting in. The scrappiness, the EQ, the the X factor is becoming such a bigger part. And there's 90% of companies that still need to see a 4.0 GPA from Brown. Cool, bet, fine. But good news for everybody. There's a lot of people coming up, a lot of decision makers that just don't care about those things. And it's about you getting them with making something with a piece of content or just sending an email and saying, I'm hungry and I'll do it. And like, you just never know. Question sounds similar. And I know you had mentioned content on the previous question from Kathleen, but I hope you'll take a different approach. It says, what avenues do you suggest to launch a company like your media company from the ground up? Um, what avenues, one more time, because you know what's so funny? I found Dope Des, Tarzan Yogi on Twitter who asked that question, I just followed him. And like, that's how life works. The kid that just asked the Spillman question, I just followed him on Twitter. Cause I was like, wait, why did I see that question? All oh, right, it's on Twitter right now. So I highly recommend, by the way, everybody to use the hashtag for this right now, the HBCU Ask Gary. figure out what I'm doing. Like literally, you know, the, the gentleman who just asked that, Tarzan Yogi, Dope Des 11, I guess Desmond, Des, or maybe not, I'm not sure his name, but like, like this might be it. Like he might make a piece of content that captures my eye in seven months. And like, like this might've been the reason he got a job. Like there's so many different ways to go it. Now go back to the next question. How would I build my company all over again if I was to build it today? Yeah. Yeah, uh, what happened would you suggest to launch a company like yours from the ground My up? company, I would start by being a specialist in something narrow. I'd probably launch a TikTok agency. I would literally come out and be like, I'm a one woman show. I'm fresh out of school, but I understand TikTok better than anybody. Your brand should work with me to do TikTok because that will work because it's narrow so I can't kill you, you know, because I'm broad and it's, uh, it's believable, right? Like Pepsi and Coca-Cola and Nike, would believe a 23 year old from HBCU starting a one woman shop, being a TikTok expert, because they believe that young kids get it better than old kids like me. So even though I feel like I get it better than all of you, but nonetheless, you know, <laughs> that's the game. That's what I would do. I would go narrow. Keep them on their toes, by the way. So this almost feels like a follow-up. Uh, if you were starting a media company in 2020, where would you primarily live? Would it be an audio first, email first, or Fortnite first? One more time. Because uh, yeah, I didn't understand that last part. It says, if you were starting a media company in 2020, where would where would you primarily live? Would it be, uh, and then speaking to the company, would it be totally audio first, email first, or Fortnite first? I like that. I would do all. I don't think you have to choose. Like, you, I would stream it in video form, strip the, on StreamYard, on every platform, strip the audio, and put it on all the podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and then hire a freelancer in India or Pakistan or Poland, or you do it because you're hungry and transcribe all the words to email. There is no reason 
in 2021 to be in the or business. We are now in the and decade. And. Audio and video and written word. Oh, I like that. I'm gonna, you know what's fun about doing things like this? You know you're all gonna see this on my Instagram now, like the and decade. The and decade is here. Like there's just no reason to be or. The question there is a great question. The answer is all. Because technology now lets you do that. You can go on StreamYard, you can be live and distributed on Twitch, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, all of them, comma, you can then rip the audio very easily technology-wise, comma, you can hire somebody for no money these days to try it if you yourself can't do it, which you should be able to do because if you're trying to build something, you're gonna wanna hustle. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so Pablo, a good friend of mine, uh, asked in the chat, how can you build a successful and diversified investment portfolio in 2021? I, you know, I think Pablo, that's based on your ability to understand what humans are gonna do. Like I do very well in investing because I understand what people are gonna do. So when I invest in Amazon or Microsoft or Shopify or Spotify or, you know, it, you, you've got to be diverse, you've gotta be right enough because otherwise it's gonna be slow, which is also fine. There's financial advisors, there's you diversifying by getting into 10 different sectors. Robin Hood's got a lot of you on tilt you're learning. Um, then there's, you know, to me, to be frank, I think at this young of an age, I think about amassing some dollars before investing, just a little something, um, gaining skills. But I think, I think that comes down to what do you see? Investing is based on vision. Do you actually know what the, where the world's going? You know, you can't predict certain things like COVID. You could have gotten killed if you invested in restaurants, in commercial real estate. Um, so I don't think anything's safe because anything can happen. I think betting on things you know you know, betting on things you know is a really good business investing and business thesis. And frankly, I'm interested in it because as an entrepreneur for the last 10 years, I've been tripped up by this one myself. How do you make the choice between exiting a business because you're unsure of the team you're working with or staying because you've worked so hard? Um, I, what slipped for me real quick there was Staying because of you work so hard, but what was the exiting because what? Sure of the team that you got working. it. Uh, so exiting because you're unsure of the team is something you know and is right in front of your face. Bouncing or staying and not bouncing because you've put so much in is a humongous mistake because you're looking backwards. Bouncing because you know what's happening right now is living in the now and the forward. Staying because you've been here for four years and you don't want to give it all up is looking backwards and that fucks with your neck and that is a losing formula. So for me, that's an easy one. The second I know, I move. I don't care how long I've been at it. I look at that as an investment in learning, not as a deposits I've made that I'm supposed to, you've already extracted the value out of that four and a half years. And people for some reason, people are very conservative on that. I don't like it. It's like people not bouncing to too many jobs. I'll give you one because you're a lot of young kids here. If your first job sucks, leave in six months. Don't buy into that bullshit of resume jumpers. Nobody gives a shit. But people are like, nah, Gary Vee, I gotta stay for another year because it's gonna look bad. I'm like, to who? 
Okay, cool. So you're gonna apply to 30 jobs. Do you think all 30 people are gonna be like, hey, Damon, I'm really upset that you've left two jobs. I'd be like, like, and if I saw it, I'd be like, yo, Damon, why did you bounce so quickly in the first place? And be like, my boss sucked in the first one, the second one I realized I sucked at art. I'm like, you're self-aware, let's go. So like, don't make assumptions how people are gonna hire. It's a lot of people. It kills uh, people, Greg. It's a huge mistake. Yeah, You've already extracted the value. Move forward. Move forward. So uh, Isaiah Ben Israel asks, uh, in terms of the economy and where the market is going, what do you think will be the biggest win over the next five years? The, the organizations, institutions, brands, businesses, entrepreneurs that understand how to make pictures and videos and audio content for the internet and how to distribute them organically like on LinkedIn or TikTok or through paid mechanisms like Tapjoy or YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. The humans that most understand how to create information and distribute it at the lowest possible cost. That is where the whole game is. I'm trying to feed these to you quick because we got a lot of questions that are coming in to me. Uh, Ambrose asks, how do you think we can use technology to bridge the knowledge gap for students? Well, I mean, this goes into funny territory for me sitting in this seat at this event. I believe that universities and colleges are in real bad shape in teaching contemporary conversations. Uh, the answer to the question is, using the information that's sitting on top of technology platforms right this second in the classroom. I mean, hit me up on Twitter right now, at Gary V, if you're tired of being in a classroom or you were just in a classroom where you're getting taught shit from 1997. I mean, it's crazy, Greg. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm interviewing, I, you know, I meet with a lot of employees six months into when they're at Boehner and a lot of them are graduating from all these fancy comms schools and the shit that's coming out of their mouth, they're, they're like, literally like, I learned more at Vayner the first week than I learned in four years of college about marketing and, or media, and I'm just like, makes sense, because when they tell me what the curriculum is, these teachers are just behind. The world changes every day. And how they learned it, you know? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's easier to teach the curriculum based on some shit they put together over the summer four years ago and they keep teaching it than being on top of it every day and knowing what the fuck's going on on the street. We got a few more and I know that we've got a few minutes left with you so I wanna make sure to get these in. Uh, I've personally uh, had a, a policy that I never take on debt when starting a business uh, just to grind it out. But uh, Miguel L asks, how should you handle debt when starting a business? I'm a big fan of where Gigi just went I think GG Junior School is good on this one. Try not to. Most people don't have the patience for that. Um, so then if you're gonna do that, I would try to get debt from a human being, not an institution. I'd rather owe the money to a non-family member human, high net worth individual. I'd rather ask 80, I would rather cold DM and email 800 high net worth individuals you know, if I'm, in, if I'm here, I would hit up every single make, anybody who came from an HBCU that made it, I would literally email and be like, you're HBCU, I'm HBCU, give me 100K. Like literally, I'd rather do that than do VCs and things of that nature because humans that are high net worth are more patient, are more EQ or more human about it. They may be jerks about it. You, nobody wants to lose their money, but um, 
that's how I, I, the answer is I wouldn't take on debt and I would eat shit for five years instead of the easy life of raising capital and acting. Greg, do you know how many people act like they've won even though they just only raised money and lose money every month? You know how many fake entrepreneurs are out there, bro? You know, so I'd rather eat shit for five years so nobody owes, owns me and, and I own my own shit for the rest of my life, especially when I'm 23, 24. But if you gotta take on capital because you just feel like you have to and you, you don't have that patience, take it from something that isn't a bank or a VC or a private equity, try to take it from a high net worth individual. I've always found those to be the most flexible. So I wanna to touch on something because I had a conversation with Mark Cuban a few years ago and he reiterated five years. And hearing you say that just brought that back to the forefront, grinding for five years. Uh, it made sense to me after year four when it felt good. And I remembered in the back of my head, don't stop. So can, do, you, can, do you mind speaking to why that five years of grinding is so important? Because you're 23, most of you that are listening right now, and in five years you're 28, you're a child, and you didn't give up 50%, 30%, 20% of your business. Because it's smarter, because it's better, because you don't feel the pressure. And because when you're not, when you raise money, you waste it. Like 99 out of 100 people, Greg, when they raise money, buy bad, you know, sign bad leases, hire bad people, buy dumb shit like a foosball table. They do shit that they don't need. I'd rather you live, you know, like at your boyfriend's. You know, you know, apartment or at your grandma's house or with nine buddies. Like, I'd rather people grind it because they get better disciplines. They learn more. They learn how to make money instead of raise money. And then they wake up at 29 and go, wait a minute, I own 100% of my business. Or me and my partner each owe 50 instead of 22 and have a board breathing down their neck because it's better. Dean from. Uh... Prairie View A&M University, I wanted to get to her question, it says, how does someone with years of experience in a certain industry transition to another industry if they're not a subject matter expert? Well, similar to the content thing I set out, by putting out information of their thoughts, you, I think there's, there's this growing group of individuals who are willing to hire people who aren't from the industry, but I think if you're putting out content on your Instagram and your LinkedIn and your especially your LinkedIn, around your thoughts and observations of the industry or what you would do, it really helps you have ammo to get that job. You know, if somebody's like, Gary Vee, I'm a lawyer, but I wanna be a content producer. Literally, I'd be like, yo, bet, I believe you. Show me some content. If you haven't made any, that's a mistake. Make it for your, make pretend business. Make it for yourself as an influencer. Make it for a company you admire. Just make Nike content. Just make McDonald's content, I don't care. Like just do, just do, make. Give somebody something to buy into. Give them something to wrap their hands around. That's exactly right. Absolutely. All right, so we uh, getting down to our last few moments. Uh, I have a question from Holland from North Carolina Central University. Uh, can you give us insights into how marketing to minorities is becoming more important and how to reach these groups? It was always important. I've made a 20 year career of being more diverse with my content. I marketed wine to, you know, because I got lucky and most of my friends were minorities. I was like, oh, I know what to write or what picture to post to like get black wine drinkers. I, I crushed this model my whole career. 
Um, and, and thank God the world is getting more thoughtful around diversity and inclusion. And I think you just have to know the community. And I remind people, I'm like, look, there's, I know 14 year old girls right now extremely well. I'm being serious. I know that they love Hiram, the skincare guy on TikTok. I know that they're the 14 year olds that loved slime five years ago. Like I know shit, but I'm not a 14 year old girl. So I remind people, you don't have to look like someone who's diverse or inclusive. Like there are unbelievable amounts of people that are watching right now that are 24 year old black women that know exactly how to market to 55 year old white males. However, not to stereotype, of course, the cultures you live within, you know deeper insights normally. I believe that more and more companies are getting thoughtful about diverse and inclusive groups, not because the world is waking up George Floyd like the shit I was talking about earlier, but because it's becoming more obvious that every brand has to make more content and do more business with more groups of people. So I think that this is a beautiful time if you wanna get into that world and I think you'll find some real opportunities. And I'll say it again, and I'm not saying it to be nice, we're hiring like crazy around these topics at VaynerX, so please check out what we're doing because we're looking to hire. So it's funny you mentioned that, and I hope I don't get in trouble for asking you this question. But uh, Dominique asks, uh, I'll keep it simple. Can the 2020 HBCU Battle of the Brains champion have an opportunity to come work with you and your companies? Gary at VaynerMedia.com. Send it right now, put that in the title. I'm the champ, and let's have a real conversation because the timing is, it's so, like, if we were doing this in March when I was scared shitless, you wouldn't hear any of this energy from me. Back to your point, Greg. But the timing, because I'm an operator, I'm not here to be nice, I'm living life. Straight and true. The We are hiring. We are hiring at the entry level on creative. If you think you're good at math, take our data set, because we're hiring in our media department like crazy. If you think you're creative as shit, and you make videos and pictures, and you're good at Adobe, and you're good at TikTok, enter for creative. If you think you're a psych major, and you know how people work, and if you read 50 comments, on a post, you can come up with ideas off of that, enter to be our post-creative strategist. Literally my my post this morning on my Instagram account, it's Gary B-E-E for all of you, go look at it. It talks about the PCS, post-creative strategist. I just posted about it on my LinkedIn. It's a new role and we're looking to hire. Awesome, awesome. I don't know if I have time to sneak in one last one. Go ahead, sneak it in. We know how you felt about TikTok. You told everybody get on TikTok early. Uh, so Kevin Washington asks, what do you think about Clubhouse? I've been spending a ton of time on Clubhouse. I like it a lot. I think it's a, got a lot of potential for a lot of people. Um, it's not a marketing platform. It's more of a, it's more of a, a community hub. Um, if they want to evolve it from, for years from now around it being more monetizable where like a brand can house a Clubhouse. And, um, but I'm, I'm bullish on it. It's a little elitist. You know, this spring and summer, there was mainly VCs, high net worth. I'm excited to see what it looks like when you open it up at scale. But the the product's incredible. The lack of friction, the walkie-talkie nature. It seems like you're sitting around and like my favorite South by Southwest jam sessions. I'm, I'm, I'm very into it. I like it a lot. But, but, but I don't, it, it doesn't fit the category of where I was right about Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok. It sits in a different place as a utility that has potential to evolve into a consumer product, but I haven't seen that yet. Good deal, good deal. I thank you so much for joining us. Uh, on behalf of our HBC Battle of the Brain students, the team, everyone involved, thank you so much. I wanna give you the last word. 
Last word, giving more than taking is such a smart strategy. You may not believe it. Many of you, like myself, may come from a place of not having a lot, so it doesn't feel natural. I'm telling you, build a reputation. Build a reputation. Build a reputation of somebody who's bringing good intent and bringing value. Stay curious, make content on the internet. Those are some real foundational things that are gonna play out between 2020 and 2030. Good deal. Thank you, brother. I so appreciate Gary V for joining us. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is inspired by AYS Cloud. Great content, great podcast, inspiring information every day. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.